Hi, everybody. Anne Louise Gittleman here for the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. And am I excited today to have a very special guest who is my go-to man for electromagnetic radiation mediation. His name is Oren Miller, and he's a certified building biologist, environmental consultant. He's author, also the author of many, many erudite works, including a 57-page online course about 5G entitled 5G, Understanding the Technology and Protection Strategies, which is available on the Building Biology Institute website. And so without further ado, my friend Orm. Orm, how are you today? Very well, Anne Louise. Thank you for having me on your uh, podcast. Well, it's my pleasure because I invited you into my home some eight years ago, you I did. think it was, to, to, to mediate all the EMFs that was in my little Post Falls, Idaho home. And right now I have a burning question, which I know is on the minds of so many other individuals. And that is, is there any connection, Mr. Orm Miller, between the coronavirus and 5G. Yes, there does seem to be a correlation, and I can go into some detail about that. Please. Well, um, so we're recording this um, on the 1st of April. Uh, so we are at whatever anyone remembers, anyone who listens to this in the future, whether it be a few days from now, I don't even know how soon you're gonna be posting this, Anne Louise, but- Very people, soon. Soon, okay, and then people <laughs> will come back to it, you know, uh, in, even beyond that, because podcasts, you know, can be archived, of course. So uh, who knows what things will be like even two weeks from now, let alone a month from now or, or six months from now. We don't know. We can only speculate. And the uh, information I'm going to be referencing was written and recorded even just two, three weeks ago. And things have changed uh, dramatically since then. Wow. So the whole, so the, the, the references that I like to, uh, to go to are an excellent article, for instance, by a, a colleague of mine, Paul Doyon, D-O-Y-O-N, of EMF Refugees, who is a blogger, an electrically sensitive individual, who is now a certified electromagnetic radiation specialist, as am I, and that's one of the certifications, as you know, because you're on our advisory board for the Building Biology Institute. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can become a Building Biology Environmental Consultant, you can become an electromagnetic radiation specialist. Some people are duly certified mm -hmm. for both, as, as I am. Paul is an EMRS, uh, one of my students, because I teach for the Building Biology Institute for the Electromagnetic Radiation Seminars. Paul is a very interesting individual who has a unique perspective on this whole thing, and he's written an article about it uh, called China 5G and the Wuhan Coronavirus, mm. the Emperor's New Virus. Mm. It was published on March 4th, 2020, on the website for uh, Lloyd Burrell, in, uh, a British man who's uh, in France, Electric sense.com all one word electric sense and lloyd has interviewed me several times so um, this article that was posted on march 4th uh now um basically almost a month ago and written on uh february 29th uh has some very interesting uh insights because paul uh teaches uh english as a second language in china uh, he's, he reads and speaks Chinese, uh, uh, Mandarin, I believe, and he's married to a Chinese woman. And he travels there, and he was there during the uh, time of this uh, crisis, uh, when it broke in December, January, February, March. Uh, I th think he's back in the States, uh, the way it's worded in the article. But he has some very interesting insights. And I would uh, recommend that everyone take a look at that article, China 5G and the Wuhan coronavirus, uh, on the Electric Sense dot com website and it, it it could be posted elsewhere as well 
but Lloyd has it posted there. And, and, I, and uh, um, Paul does uh, reference my work uh, there. I have a 5G article of my own on my own website, uh, www.createhealthyhomes.com, all one word, uh, homes is plural. And the 10th or 11th link down on the left is my own, uh, a link to my own 5G article, which is very extensive. And I go into great detail about 5G and, and how it works and what each company is doing and, and how 5G is different in the different uh, bands, the low band, mid band, and high or millimeter wave band. And we're gonna go into that in our conversation uh, this morning. But uh, in uh, Paul's article, he does make the point that a lot of people may not know this, but uh, China, well, they do know that China is very strong with 5G. Yes. Uh, and we're sort of in a race with them, uh, our country versus their country. And many countries around the world are trying to implement 5G as quickly as possible for many reasons, uh, for speed of, of download of data, for uh, lower latency so that uh, things that require fast communication back and forth between um, the user, and it could be a vehicle, for instance, uh, or a, a virtual reality and augmented reality, uh, and, a, and a server back and forth. Um, that is shortened with 5G, and there's tremend a tremendous upgrade in speed of the data transmission. Now, uh, so, so one of the things that the Chinese government did uh, is to, uh, throughout the year of 2019, as all countries have done, uh, implement 5G as fast as possible. There are three major cell phone companies in the country of China, four major ones here, although two of them are consolidating, T-Mobile and Sprint. Uh, and so these three major cell companies in China, they, uh, the government there really wanted to implement 5G as quickly as possible, in, and they selected certain cities. And the city of Wuhan, right in the middle of the country, uh, was one of those cities that had uh, a very uh, uh, fast and uh, significant deployment of so-called small cell 5G antennas. And I, perhaps 4G was uh, part of that. Um, we'll have to see. I know that that's what's being done here. We can talk about that distinction. Um, but that was done in the city of Wuhan, and perhaps uh, they had more or as much as maybe just two other cities with um, over uh, 10,000 um, new 5G antennas distributed throughout that city to saturate the city. That was their intention. Um, and, and that was just for that city. And they have over 30,000 already deployed throughout the country of China and more by now. Um, and that was done in November, December, January, uh, right about the time that the 5G, uh, excuse me, that the coronavirus uh, uh, pandemic took off in that city. Now, we only have 10,000 uh, 5G transmitters in the whole country of the US so far. Um, again, many of which may be 4G as well, and we'll get into that distinction. So there seems to be a correlation between the um, rapid implementation of 5G cell towers, small cell towers, in close proximity to where people live, uh, because we already have an established network around the world of 3G and 4G macro cell towers, which are about a mile to a mile and a half apart. And they're the, 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 the tall, skinny, you know, three foot tall, uh, 10 or 12 inch wide, narrow antennas that you see. And what you're looking at is a rain cover, but behind that uh, are the transmitters, uh, generally two by two, uh, two transmit, two receive for 4G LTE that we've had for the last decade. And those go out, the signal from that goes out with about a thousand watts of maximum effective radiated power 
in a cone that's, if, if you had a, an engineer from Motorola who's a client of mine told me this is the way it works. If you draw a line, if you look down from above, straight out from the center of any 4G antenna, and then 60 degrees to the right, 60 degrees to the left, that's the extent of the major cone of transmission of the signal. And it's also 60 degrees above the horizontal and 60 degrees below. So it's like a cone, a round cylindrical cone that goes out at least a mile, mile and a half, and it can be picked up even three to five miles away, but it's greatly, mostly in that, that mile to a mile and a half uh, area. And a little bit of side scattered to the right and left beyond that 120 degrees or 60 degrees to the right and left of the center axis. That's 4G and it's always on. It's wide and it's always on. And that's 4G in the different frequencies of the low band and the mid band, which is 600 megahertz to about one to two gigahertz. That's the low band. And then the mid band goes right from there up from one gigahertz or two up to about six. And the 4G and, uh, frequencies have been in the low band, six, seven, 800, 900 megahertz, 1800, 1900, 2100, 2500. That's what we've had and that's what we still have and will continue to have with 4G service, which is being improved and advanced to uh, 4G LTE advanced. And I'll get into that with more modulation. That's happening now and with faster speeds than we have had for the last decade. So 5G is being overlaid on top of that. Now we'll get into the details of that, uh, but that's what we've had and what they're doing now in the last couple of years and going into the uh, further into this decade we're in now in the fifth generation of self technology, which is 5G, they're dropping in small cells in the streets, you know, on lampposts and on buildings, uh, in streets between the macro towers. So in the US, for instance, we have 300,000 macro towers or have had 300,000 and they're still building more. Wow. Every mile to a mile and a half apart. Wow. They're dropping in and that's a thousand uh, watts maximum effective radiated power. At least that's what it's listed as. And then it, you, and you can see that on antenna search, 800 to a thousand watts for the different sub-frequencies that you'll see with a, a cell tower for 4G. Now they're dropping in these small cell antennas, which are 10 to 100 watts. So they don't go as far. Uh, and they're, they're every block or so, every two to 10 houses, that's the idea. And 4G and 5G are being installed there um, in the different frequency bands. And so that's uh, augmenting and putting the, especially in the millimeter wave band, which is above 20 gigahertz, which we've not had before with 4G. There's no 4G up there, that's all 5G. But 5G is also being added in the low and mid band, and I'll get into that. So that's all being put in place. And that's what was really laid out on, on steroids in uh, the city of um, Wuhan, in the center of uh, China, and a couple of other cities that Paul mentions in his article. So uh, then in that article, in that same article, Paul goes into great detail about the research that's been um, done mostly outside the United States on uh, correlating wireless, the use of wireless devices and ill health in human beings and animals and the biosphere, bees and insects uh, and even plants uh, for some time now. We even have these, uh, these you know, Elon Musk and others are launching a whole array of uh, low earth orbit satellites and drones um, and with the intention of uh, bringing internet from space from you know uh, 12 miles up not six miles or 30,000 feet is where aircraft fly we're talking double that height 
12 miles, 60,000 feet, which is above weather. Uh, and that's where the low Earth orbit satellites are being uh, parked and they're, they're sending down signals onto the Earth. So that's, that's adding to the soup, the electromagnetic soup that we have um, everywhere with that. But Let me interrupt and just ask a quick question for those yeah. that may be new to this entire EMF quandary and uh, soup that we're now being immersed in. Is there something more inherently biological, inherently more dangerous to the biological immune system with 5G than 4G? That's really what the question is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Can you address that really quickly and then continue yeah. on? Yes, I will. So um, it's important to understand, and I, I go into this in great detail in my article, my 5G article on createhealthyhomes.com. It turns out that with each generation of cell technology, what, what engineers are able to do is to accelerate the, the, what they're interested in is the download of data. And this is mostly for data. This is not so much for voice or texting, it's for data, which is, and, and everyone's turning or changing the, the use of their, whatever they do, they're not doing it on, on fixed computers anymore, laptops or desktops with either uh, ethernet connections, which is what we recommend and what people did in the old days, or Wi-Fi in their homes or out and about, uh, if they're at Starbucks or wherever. Uh, everyone's shifting the, uh, everything that they do, whether it's computing, web surfing, emails, uh, apps, um, uh, uh, listening to music, uh, communication, you know, FaceTime, um, all of that is being done on their personal device, which would be their cell phone or maybe a tablet. You know, and, and radio frequencies are always involved, although you can use hardwired connections. So we'll get into that hopefully today. Um, and that's on my website. Uh, and Paul even has that in his article, uh, China 5G in the Wuhan coronavirus, uh, you know, recommending. And, and, and Dr. McCullough in his book and Lloyd Burrell in his book, uh, EMF Practical Guide, they all have sections in there. And actually, I contributed to the writing of that, those sections in Dr. Mercola's new book, uh, EMF, and uh, Lloyd's book, e EMF Practical Guide, they both invited me to participate in the editing and compilation of information for their practical how to take care of yourself chapters in, their, in both of their books. And I have extensive Wonderful. information on that Wonderful. on my website. So anyway, um, so, so the thing is, um, as the cell companies in, uh, enhance everything, which is what they're always trying to do, and then spread it throughout the industry, and get it into the radios and the antennas and the cell phones, okay, and the, and the processors, the, the, the modems, uh, Qualcomm, which is in San Diego, just two hours south of me here. I live in Los Angeles. So Qualcomm is, is making um, microprocessors, uh, modems that, that can handle the processing of, of the uh, data in the phones that we, that we carry around for Samsung and, and uh, I think Apple has their own, but in any event, they're making them faster. Uh, and so the whole idea is to have faster speed in the same airspace, in the same frequency with the same power density, but that faster speed and, and lower latency is accomplished by technologies that increase modulation and polarization. And, and, uh, and these changes, it wasn't good before, but it's worse now. The, the, the changes in the way that the signals are propagated and the way that the signals affect human beings and, and other you know, biological life that are in the path 
that just happened to receive this um, uh, as it's sent out. The effect on the cells and on the DNA, especially when DNA unfurls and is available for transcription, which it does quite often, that's what DNA does, and then uh, RNA uh, uh, copies that and then takes that information into the cell nucleus and into the cell, the cytoplasm, the uh, mitochondria. Um, there are people who explain this in great detail. Uh, that's how cells work. In that replication process, that's when transcription errors can occur. And that can lead to tumors and, and, and corrupted uh, metabolic processes. When DNA then furls, it un, furls itself back down again and compacts, compactifies itself or whatever the terms are, that it's, it's protected. But when it's unfurled, it's not, it's very vulnerable. And so even at very low levels, and it's, it's important that when people say we can't just go by power density, which some of us in the building biology profession have kind of focused on too much to the exclusion of these other things. Uh, people like Arthur Furstenberg in his great book, The Invisible Rainbow, and, and, and Martin Paul, P-A-L-L, who's a PhD at the University of Washington in Pullman, Washington, just north of Portland, Oregon. Um, and Trevor Marshall, who's a PhD here in Southern California, um, and Alistair Phillips, who is a PhD over in England, who uh, his company is EM Fields, and he makes the acoustometer and acousticon to RF meters and other EMF meters. These, these people understand the, the pathophysiology of radio frequencies, and there are others too, uh, Bell Palm and, and Ole Johansson over in Europe and others, who have done extensive research on this. And, and, and there are links to this in, in these books that I mentioned and the articles um, where you can learn about this in more detail. So what's happening is people who live near 4G towers are saying, I could tolerate it before, but now I can't. This, the, the trucks have come by and I go out there and I say, what companies are, are you with? Because there are companies that, that um, get the, the towers or own the towers and get the permits and then lease that space up there to the for uh, companies, the cell companies, you know, Verizon, Sprint, T-Mobile, and AT&T. And, and not all of the companies are in every tower, but, but these cell carriers then lease space. And you'll see different antennas up there. They look different. And the top level will be look one way, the next level will be another. You could have T-Mobile at the top with uh, antennas made by Ericsson. You could have um, a Sprint uh, antenna below it, 4G, they're all 4G we're talking about now. And 5G is being added for the sprint could be the next one down and that could be made by Samsung. Now in Los Angeles here at the LA Convention Center, we have uh, this new, this uh, meeting, this conference uh, called Mobile World Congress America, which was held in Silicon Valley and they moved it from Northern California to Southern California two years ago to be near the entertainment industry. So wow. this whole conference is here now every October and I've been there twice in 2018 and 2019. I took two days off from my practice here in Los Angeles and I went to the conference center and I attended lectures and, and I got a pass you know, by, by attending these morning uh, breakfast meetings where they have uh, executives from Verizon and Cisco and, and Corning fiber, you know, fiberglass and, and T-Mobile and they're talking about all the advances, advancements in 5G. So I'm writing furiously, taking notes and then I walked around the exhibition space there going to the booths for all the antenna manufacturers, uh, uh, Ericsson, Samsung, and Nokia, and then uh, three out of the four uh, cell companies were there, uh, Verizon, Sprint, and T-Mobile. And I went to their booths and I talked to the engineers and the, and the sales reps. And I said, 
what do you do? Tell me about this technology. I need to understand this. And the reason I did that is because people are constantly asking me every day, they're, they're sending emails, how can I protect myself against 5G? What sure. is it all about? Sure. Okay. And so my goal was to find out how the technology works, exactly how it works. And so I, I, I learned their lingo and I, I, I understood their processes more and more. And I read uh, Fierce Wireless and, and uh, what's another one? Um, there are several that, that uh, and I, I get, uh, every day I get a digest from Fierce Wireless with five new articles. Um, and I, I scour these and that's what led to the writing of that 57 page technical manual which was published last May on the buildingbiologyinstitute.org website, which by the way, you can get for free. It's $180 um, as, a, as a paid uh, online course there, but they're offering uh, through the middle of um, April um, that you can get one course for free uh, during this time when everyone's sort of holed up in their homes um, through the buildingbiologyinstitute.org website. Uh, and you know, tw I asked 24 of my colleagues uh, inside and outside the building biology profession to uh, assist with that. But I've also been updating my own 5G article. I went back again to the same uh, Mobile World Congress, they now call it Mobile World Congress Los Angeles uh, conference last uh, Octo October of 2019. And a lot of the guys there recognized me from the year before. And now I could ask even more detailed questions. So what's happening is I said, what's the difference between 4G and 5G here at the Ericsson booth for your T-Mobile antennas at 600 megahertz, because I know you're not beamforming, because everyone who thinks about 5G and Louise thinks about um, these uh, antennas that are going up in front of people's homes that are beamforming a signal. They have to beamform in order to get it to go through even just wood, let alone uh, stucco or brick or um, any other um, uh, siding and, and wall construction material. Um, because when you go up into the band that the 5G is being introduced at, which is above 20 gigahertz, which is called the millimeter wave band or the high band, we're above 20 gigahertz and the wavelength is now a half an inch or less, half an inch to a quarter inch, which is millimeters only, three to five millimeters. That's why they call it the millimeter wave band. And the characteristics of frequencies up there and wave waves up there is they don't get through walls at all. Uh, or even glass, uh, especially with um, low emissivity, you know, this, this, um, yeah, th this metal that they spray on there that is transparent. But if you look from the side, it has a greenish tint and it's used a lot here in Southern California where the sun is strong to keep the sun's heat out of the rooms. So it's important. Uh, they say that that kind of glass just blocks 5G uh, com almost completely. Uh, huh. Rain droplets do. If you think of it, Whenever, if you have a satellite TV dish or direct TV with a dish, you can't put that in an attic. It has to be on the roof. You can't have a, a sheetrock, or sorry, you can't have plywood, a roof and shingles above it because you wouldn't get the signal. It doesn't go through. The signal coming from the satellite at geostationary orbit, 22,000 miles above the equator, doesn't go through your roof. But if you put the uh, antenna up on the roof, the dish, it will, as long as there are no trees in the way. But when it snows or rains, then the signal is pixelated and, and it doesn't look very good because the rain droplets will block it. And these are frequencies in the same gigahertz signals that we're talking about for 5G, 20 to 40 to 60 gigahertz. So we've been using those uh, frequencies for satellite TV for decades. 
and is very weak and you need a parabolic dish to focus that signal um, up to a point where the arm is and then the receiver there amplifies the signal and brings it down the coaxial cable to your TV set. Uh, so let so me ask point, you let me ask you a quick question here that that I've been kind of fascinated with and I thank you for such a an articulate in-depth explanation. My understanding is that people do not get impacted by 5G unless they have a 5G enabled device. Is that true or false? Yeah, see this is where the complexity comes in. So what I learned and I will answer what you're saying, what your question, and that's explained in great detail on my website. The answer to your question is it depends on which uh, frequency band we're talking about. Because let's just take T-Mobile and AT&T, for instance. Those two companies have 5G in the low band at 600 and 850 megahertz, which is not beamformed. It's just, and, and that's really not 5G. It, it's, it's actually glorified 4G. It's enhanced 4G uh, or LTE advanced. It's a little faster maybe six, seven times faster than the download speed of a 4G. 4G LTE up until two years ago, at best was about 30 megabits per second of download speed. The 4G LTE advance, which is also called 5G little e, or mm -hmm. evolution by, by AT&T at 850 megahertz, which is being deployed virtually throughout the entire country on their, on their uh, existing uh, antennas and they're dropping in more in between uh, these new so-called 5GE or 4G enhanced um, antennas that, that uh, AT&T is put up, putting up. And also T-Mobile is putting up a lot more antennas at 600 megahertz because they just bought 600 megahertz used to be used for, for broadcast TV, I think for the audio, maybe the video. And so that's been scrapped because we're all digital TV now. And so that was bought by T-Mobile two, three years ago. And they're deploying their uh, countrywide uh, low band 5G service, which is again, maybe, so maybe now 200, 300 megabits per second. That, that's about the best they can do, but they have good coverage. And those frequencies at 600, 700, 800 megahertz, the wavelength is maybe 12 to 15 inches. So that goes through walls easily. Now we can measure it with our radio frequency meters and we can block it with Y-Shield paint, you know, the, this carbon-based paint or Cooper, Tech, uh, Cooper Coat paint and Cooper Tech uh, uh, copper mesh uh, material that you can put on your walls or in your walls. Uh, there's also aluminum building foil and even fabrics. All the, all the fabrics that have, you know, the weave and even uh, for that matter, uh, just regular aluminum or steel insect screen and drill mm. shield curtains all, and, and, and window film. All of this stuff will block all of the signals, whether it's 4G or 5G in the low to mid band, okay, up, in, up to about six gigahertz. Now from six gigahertz up to 20 gigahertz, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of transmitters out there, but they're not cell uh, and not in America. Their uh, aviation, uh, military, radar, satellite. Uh, we don't get cell service again until you get up into the millimeter wave band, the high band above 20, 24 gigahertz. And that's where you pick up with this new 5G. But everyone thinks that that's all that 5G is, is up there. And because the, the signals are so short, the wavelength is so short, they have to beamform it in order to get it to go through a typical wall. You don't need Y shield paint. Uh, or any of these um, uh, fabrics or paints to block uh, 5G in the millimeter wave band if they didn't beamform it, but they do beamform it. So beamforming involves little antennas 
like eight, eight across and eight down. So you have 64 antennas in, in, an, in an antenna uh, that uh, has a cover over it and it looks like a pizza box. It's about, you know, two feet wide, but two, it's a two foot square thing or a little bit rectangular. And if you go to my website, createhealthyhomes.com, go to the 5G article and then download the uh, 13 page uh, synopsis PDF that I have, you'll see some photos in there of what these antennas look like because I, I took pictures at uh, the trade show huh. uh, at the LA Convention Center. So these 64 antennas, they, they, they use phase array, which has been used for decades by the military. Um, and what they do is they, they shape the signal that goes out from all 64 antennas so that they focus down and to the left or up and to the right, you know, wherever um, they need to focus it. And what they do is that 120 degree cone that I talked about earlier, is, is sliced into 12, 10 or 12 zones. And so you could be, and that, and that could be on a, an, uh, a pole or a utility pole. And I've seen this uh, in Koreatown near downtown LA. I have a client who lives there and then she said, oh, that's, that's the Verizon antenna there. But the one on the top is a cylindrical, that's 4G and the 5G is below it. So I have a picture of that oh. uh, my, uh, in my synopsis article. And uh, we can't measure the 5G in, in, and she said it's Verizon. Verizon 5G. Well, right there, I knew that it's going to be either 24 or 39, 28 or 39 gigahertz, because Verizon doesn't have any 5G uh, spectrum um, in the low to mid band, although there's a little bit that they're buying now in the mid band. Uh, and I explained that in the article. So, so I can't measure that, four, that 5G from Verizon, but I can measure the 4G that's on the, on the top in the cylindrical um, cover. And, and that's pouring into their bedroom and that's always on. But back to the 5G. So if you have one of these 5G antennas, that's this uh, square like pizza box shape and sized transmitter with a cover, you can't see what's behind it. But if you look on my website, you'll see a picture of the of 64 little antennas there that are only about three inches wide. And, and so all 64 of them are, are shaping and I explained beamforming in the article on the somewhat in my own article, but also in much more detail in the article on the Building Biology Institute web, website. So they focus this signal, but here's the deal. What the guys told me two years ago and one year ago, well, it, you know, in, in October of 2018 and October of 2019, in both years, these engineers throughout the entire place, anybody I asked said the way 5G and the millimeter wave band works is there is a reference signal that is sent out for 10 microseconds or so, uh, a few times a minute, and it's 1% of the strength of the signal that's being sent out when it actually connects and is downloading data. And that reference signal with this minus 60 or 70 dBm, which and we, we could see that with our, uh, the equipment that I saw at two booths, because there were some Verizon 5G 28 gigahertz antennas up in the uh, rafters of the LA Convention Center. For any, any show that they have there, including the car show, I've been there for that, they, if you have 5G, from Verizon, you can get 5G service in the LA Convention Center because that's what they're doing. The 5G in the millimeter wave band is going into stadiums, arenas, convention halls, subways, uh, metro stops, college campuses, airports where people gather. It's mostly an outdoor phenomenon in the millimeter wave band. It doesn't work well indoors. Mm -hmm. so, so we measured that and it's, it's only, and, it, and that minus 60, minus 70 dBm corresponds to minus, sorry, 0 0.01, um, microwatt per meter squared or zero to, to 0 0.1 microwatt per meter squared. Now when I'm 
doing a building biology electromagnetic radiation uh, evaluation of a home in Louise, in Los Angeles, anywhere in the city here, whether I'm in the suburbs or downtown, uh, even out in the country, and I stand in front of the person's house with my radio frequency meter, a gigahertz solutions HF59B, or the new uh, Rob Metzinger Safe and Sound uh, Pro 2 from Safe Living Technologies, uh, SLP.co in Canada. And I'm typically measuring at least 5, 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 microwatts standing on people's front lawns mm. from the 4G towers that are around them. That's very high. Yeah, well, I know, but that's, that's typical. And when I go on the second floor bedrooms, it is 10, 20, 30, 50, 100, 150 microwatts because I'm above the neighboring houses and, and the 4G is come. I'm on the level of the 4G antennas and I can see some of them out the window off way off in the distance or close, but hopefully way off. Not uncommon to measure, you know, 20 to 40 to 80, 100 microwatts in upstairs bedrooms. So, so, right. so, so typically, so, so, so. typically you came to my home, for example, and I just want to get into this very briefly, and then we can go back to uh, what your dissertation and so forth and everything that you've, that, that you've learned about this. Would you say that because of the introduction of 5G, people are more sensitive than ever to the 4G? Um, how, how do we say this? The, but see, but see the, the, this is where people are making a mistake. I mean, that's the, what I want you to clarify. Well, here's the mistake. The mistake is people are thinking that the 4G, excuse me, the beamform 5G that everyone reads about, and, and you know, and, uh, I know that I'm not disagreeing with it. I'm just trying to help refine and, and clarify people's understanding about that. Oh, no, it's very complicated. Go ahead. Okay, so, so the, the misconception out there, and even people in, in the mainstream uh, say a lot of misconception about 5G, it's not all beamformed. So, so the thing is the reference signal is sent out and it's very, very weak. And if there's no 5G enabled device in the millimeter wave in front of that particular antenna, then there's no signal sent out. It's idle. It remains idle to conserve electricity and because there's nobody there. Mm -hmm. But if you live in one house and you've got a neighbor who's next door or two houses over uh -huh. and you're in zone three and he's in zone seven and he has a, a Verizon enabled or T-Mobile or um, AT&T plus 5G because you know, T-Mobile only has the, the millimeter wave service in six cities Verizon has it in 34, and uh, uh, AT&T has, has it in 31, and that's as of uh, two, three weeks ago. And by the way, uh, AT&T's millimeter wave service, not the, not the 5G evolution down in the 850 megahertz, the low band. I'm talking about their other offering, which is in the millimeter wave band. That's only in 31 cities and only certain streets of 31 cities. Same thing for Verizon. It's not universal for any of these guys. And it's only business customers who have the 5G plus uh, equipment. Uh, and so if you've got somebody who has Verizon and he's got a 5G enabled phone that he just bought, okay, and, and uh, went to the Verizon store and he got a 5G enabled phone for their 5G service for Verizon. And he's, in, he's near a downtown where, you know, in, in, in the 34, 34 cities that Verizon has this in now. Um, and he wants to get a connection. Then, then the cell tower, the 5G antenna will pick that up and will send a beamform signal that's very focused with, with focused energy, which gets through his wall and through his windows and gets to his phone, but only in zone seven, only 10 degrees wide. And you're in zone three over here, two doors to the left. You don't get that signal. 
Okay. Okay. And then, and then here's the other thing. If the minute that guy picks up his phone inside the house and walks to the next room, he gets kicked off. He's back to 4G. There's something called dynamic spectrum switching or dynamic spectrum sharing, DSS. Verizon is using that and all the companies are using that. And it, it, it allows them, their, their radios and antennas on the cell towers to shift between 4G and 5G and within the phone, back and forth between 4G and 5G seamlessly as the guy moves around. Now he won't get good 5G service until he comes out of the house. And when Wired Magazine gave 5G phones, 5G enabled phones in the millimeter, millimeter wave band to reporters for Wired Magazine last year, and they were walking around Chicago and Minneapolis and they, got, and they were able to download the full season of Stranger Things season three on, from uh, HBO, uh, instead of three hours on 4G, it, it, they did it in three minutes. With oh my gosh. As long as they were outside. And then one guy said, the minute he walked into a bakery, he got kicked back to 4G. So 5G in the millimeter wave doesn't even work inside houses. And you're, you're gonna be on Wi-Fi anyway for the guy who's two doors down. He's, he's on Wi-Fi most of the time for his data. You know, so, so some 5G, you know, it's mostly an urban thing. It's when you're outdoors in these environments, you know, not now, but, but when we get out again, that's where 5G comes into play in the millimeter wave band. So okay, how, now, well, here, here's, here's the danger, Angelise. Here's yes. the problem. The antenna on, up on the top, which is 4G, more of those are going in, as well as the low band 5G, which is really enhanced, 4G enhanced, 4G LTE and advanced. Those antennas are always on, they're 120 degrees, and I was picking that up in this guy's bedroom because mm. he had, because the tower or the, the utility pole, the light pole outside of his house had both. Oh. And a lot of the, uh, the 5G activists in Northern California, you know, I'm in California, so I pay attention to mostly to what these guys say out here. So there are people in, in, uh, up in north of San Francisco and then 5G activists in Orange County, clients of mine. This one lady in Orange County, she said, I, I, I've gone to City Hall and I've talked to the people there and most of the permits on file are for 4G, not 5G. Because again, most of the deployment is, is this enhanced 4G and it's more uh, modulated, the signal that's coming out of it with carrier aggregation, they've gone from two to four, uh, uh, MIMO, multiple input, multiple output. Um, They've gone to uh, 256 quadrature amplitude modulation. These are all technologies that shape the signal and pulse it and make it more digital and more biologically active. And that's where Dr. Martin Paul and Trevor Marshall and, and others are, are talking about, and, and Ola Johansson, talking about the effects on people's bodies. And Dr. McCullough and, and Arthur Furstenberg, they're all talking about the modulation effects on people's bodies. And, and can you review what some of them are for our very interested health-minded listeners? Well, I, I would defer to those sources. Um, uh, our dear Martin Blank, who passed away, uh, he, he, he said, I, I know him because he came and spoke to the building biology profession. And, and he said to us, and, and he also came to Los Angeles and spoke, as have I several times, at the uh, Cancer Control Society. Um, and he said, I was a skeptic as a professor at Columbia University until I did my own research on, on not 5G, this is before that, but right. on 3G, 4G, radio Well, waves. yeah, all of it. Just, and he said, when he saw the DNA fragmentation. Ah, that's right. That's what he was so well known for. And, 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 and I, I was a panelist with him, well, actually right after him, there, uh, Camila Reese uh, put together uh, two Who panels. Who was a wonderful activist in her own right. Yes, yes. And, and, and so at the left forum, when it was in New York City, uh, or it may still be, 
uh, three years ago, uh, I was invited to, to speak in the afternoon uh, from noon till two on um, EMF pollution solutions. But prior to that, from noon till 10 till noon, we had uh, Martin Paul, Martin Blank, uh, David Carpenter of the Bioinitiative Report, and one other gentleman who spoke about the research. And so I was sitting there listening to them, and then I got up after them and was uh, one of the panelists for these solutions in the afternoon with Emil de Topol about CMF and, and Patty Wood from um, uh, the activists in New York State. Um, and basically, uh, Martin Paul and Martin Blank talked about the DNA fragmentation. They talked about uh, the, uh, well, Martin Paul's work is, uh, he's the uh, PhD here at- uh, University of Washington. Washington. Uh, Voltage-gated calcium channels. Yes, yes, I wanted you to touch on that, if you will. Well, it turns out that, from what I understand, all cells, um, and Dr. Uh, um, George Carlo talks about this too. He came to the Building Biology Conference in 2008, uh, 12 years ago. And basically, what, what these gentlemen are saying is that all cells have receptors uh, in the membrane that, that receive uh, nutrients in and waste products out, and, and they're modulated, uh, and, and the flow of information and nutrients in and out of the cell is modulated through these, uh, these, these um, uh, voltage, these gates, uh, and they're uh, controlled or modulated through um, ions uh, that are positively and negatively charged. Uh, and the voltage, and, and calcium has a lot to do with this. Yes, so called yes, voltage yes, yes, yes. Calcium channels. And these are, so in order for normal cellular function to occur, these uh, uh, processes have to be uninhibited and undisturbed. The problem is EMFs in all of their frequency ranges affect this. And I often talk about the effects of electric fields, which are the unknown EMF. Yes. They're down at 60 cycles per second. So everyone remembers magnetic fields from house wiring, which we don't have as long as we have the, the current flowing, whatever current we flows on the hot, three amps going one way, and then we have current going the other way on the neutral wire. But if it's exactly the same amount of current, and the then the epicenter of the magnetic fields are right next to each other, and these fields are going in opposite directions because the flow of the magnetic flux field around a single hot wire, a single wire, goes clockwise as you look from behind. So if you have current going out, you know, in, in your, uh, overnight or uh, during the day in the wires in your walls on the hot wire, you'll have a magnetic field that can extend 10 feet into the room. But if you have the same amount of current going on the neutral wire coming back from the light bulbs or the motor, because current has to flow out and back, and there's no voltage on that with that, only on the hot wire, but not on the return wire, but there's current, and the current causes a magnetic field, but those two fields superimpose and they cancel, unless you have a wiring error. Uh, and many of the homes in Southern California have them, half of the homes and have wiring errors. We can fix those with uh, the work of electricians of fixing wiring errors to get rid of magnetic fields. But the electric fields come from the voltage in the hot wire. And I tell people, even when you turn your lights off at night, you still have an electric field coming out six to eight feet from the hot, from the 120 volts on the hot wire, just like the pressure of a garden hose when you open the spigot, but you, you, you let go of the nozzle, you feel a kick because there's still 80 pounds of pressure water pressure in that hose, even though there's no flow anymore. That's the same deal with 120 volts of electrical pressure up to the switch of the lamp. And so there's um, an electric field coming out six to eight feet from your lamp cord, as well as from the cord in the wall, if it's plastic Romex circuits in your wall. And every bed is within six or eight feet of these circuits. So right. you have to flip off the breaker 
to get rid of that. And we have an EMF kill switch. You can get that equipment from Safe Living Technologies or Dan Evison at uh, Sleep Safe. Uh, he's got a new name for his company. It's an EMF Sleep Safe uh, switch in, in Oregon. Uh, a great product uh, that he's put together. It's, it's a package. It's approved by uh, UL, as, as are the components that are sold by uh, Safe Living. So would you say that the EMF kill switch or something uh, comparable is one of the best ways to protect from any of the EMF fields? Would that well, be something you Well, the electric that? field in particular, because... Which nobody not, recognizes, yes. Right. So I have a lot of people who, who say, Oram, I, I'm doing everything right. I'm shutting off my Wi-Fi at night. And that's a red flag, because what about the daytime? And <laughs> yes. Um, and I have, uh, uh, you know, uh, dirty electricity filters from Stetzer or Greenwave plugged in all over my house. Uh, I've opted out of my smart meter. I've got a, a home harmonizer plugged in, which is good. And I have chips and pendants on my cell phones. Uh, why do I still not feel well? Or, or could I do better? Um, and the answer is yes. They're not recognizing the magnetic fields from the wiring errors that may be present or present on the water pipe coming in from the street. They're not recognizing the indoor sources of radio frequencies. They're only focusing on what they read, which is well. What would be the indoor f sources of radio frequencies? Uh, and I, I say this with great respect. I'm not trying to um, criticize anybody for focusing on cell towers. You know, fourth generation. No, no, no. We we need to know what would they be. Well, and uh, okay. So so people call me up and say, Arm, I've got 5G right in my house. It's on my router. 5G, and they're panicked. I say, oh. That's shorthand for fifth, it's not fifth generation, not five for fifth and G for generation, cell technology. It's 5.8 gigahertz. It's the same number. And then the G for gigahertz instead of generation. Oh. <laughs> it's an unlicensed technology or, or frequency that the FCC has given to the manufacturers of cell phones, excuse me, cordless telephones and a Wi-Fi where they've shared 2.4 gigahertz, which is one unlicensed frequency. And then a few years later, 5.8 came out. And now they use one, uh, the new generation of cordless telephones are DECT 6.0, which is just the 6.0 is just a marketing number. It's actually 1.9 gigahertz. Um, and then we have, uh, uh, well, so, so that's Wi-Fi. Now Wi-Fi is a heavily modulated frequency. It's very harmful. And people, I have a, a father here in Los Angeles who said, well, you've convinced me to move the Wi-Fi router, which is always on from the closet on the second floor here next to my daughter's bedroom. We're going to move it to the garage. Mm. Um, and we're good now, right? And I said, well, I hadn't finished explaining to him everything that I normally tell people uh, you know, in the introduction before we go around the house and, and look at the EMS and come up with solutions and show them how high the levels really are because they're all invisible and silent and odorless, unlike cigarette smoke. And I said, so why do you need the Wi-Fi to be still on? Uh, he said, well, because she does her homework in the afternoon in her bedroom. I said, so she uses a laptop? Yeah, and I knew the answers. I was just trying to lead him through this process. And I said, okay, so, so she's using Wi-Fi to work on her laptop. He said, yeah, but the, the router's in the garage now. It's not right next to her uh, bedroom. I said, okay, we're good now is what he says. And I said, well, you're halfway there, but do you realize that the laptop itself, that is just as strong and modulated and harmful as the router that you now realize you need to move to the garage. He said, oh, I didn't think about that. And other people say to me, we've spent all day on figuring out how to hardwire uh, our, our components here, our, our telephones, our internet, 
our uh, streaming TV, our thermostat, our, our baby monitors, security system, surveillance cameras. But look, look, I've got 10 to 12 networks still pouring into my house from my neighbors across the yard. I'm being blasted by them, aren't I? And I said, well, turn off your phone and let me show you again with my radio frequency meter or detector that your levels are not in the hundreds and thousands that they were earlier today before when I first got here, before we made these changes that you weren't aware of, but you were feeling or you wanted to get rid of. You, we're down to five, four, you know. Mm. We're, we're below the, the recommended level of 10 microwatts per meter squared for sleeping areas, which is the slight level, according to the building biology um, profession. And he said, well, how could it be that I'm still getting 12 networks? And the answer is, these devices that everyone uses are sophisticated enough that they can connect to a signal that has gotten so low that it's, it's less than one microwatt. It could be a tenth of a microwatt per meter squared, which is safe for, for almost everyone, including electrically sensitive people. And still, some would argue it's still too high for them, but, but I, I get that. But for the vast majority of people, that's okay. And, it can, and that phone can connect to that signal if you had the password. So then a guy said, okay, I know my neighbor. He, I mean, I, you know, he gave me his password and, and I'll throw him a few dollars every month and I'll use his router. I say, well, all right, but what about the signal that comes from your device in front of you when you connect to his router in the next house? Oh, I didn't think about that. You see, people are not focusing on the things in their pockets, on their bedside table, on their desk, on their kitchen counter. Uh, in, uh, you know, so they need to pay attention to this. Uh, another lady said, Orm, you've got to help me with that cell tower out the window there. So I, we went in the backyard and this is in a rural area and it wasn't that strong because it was pointing in another direction. It was, oh. Not many people were there. It was 150 microwatts. But we went and inside the house in her kitchen, it was even like 20 or 30. But we went into her office and it was like 40 to 60 to 100,000. I said, your router's on. She said, well, and I said, you've got an ethernet cable between your computer and your router. Why do you need Wi-Fi? Well, my husband uh, does the finances bookkeeping once a week in, in the, uh, you know, with his laptop over in the kitchen uh, or the dining room table. And we just keep it on. I said, uh -huh. well, you, you're afraid of, you're concerned about that cell tower <laughs> out there. And look at the, uh, how high the signals. They just don't know. No. Because they don't have a meter. It, it, it makes no noise. Uh, it's invisible, odorless. And, and the majority of people don't feel anything or don't feel the symptoms. They don't know that the symptoms they're feeling off and on or continuously are related to the EMF. So you provide on-site mediation or remediation, I guess is what it's called. Can you do this long? Yeah. <laughs> it's mitigation, better terminology here. So can you also offer long distance, healthy home? All right, so how do people get in touch with you for that? Uh, Okay, so createhealthyhomes.com is my website. And, and if you go to the services page, which is the second link down uh, uh, from the top on the left, the list of men, uh, links on the, that menu there, uh, you go to the services page. And at the top of that, the fourth link down uh, says description of all services and fees. I've highlighted that in red so that it jumps you down the page. And then you can see you know, that I, I describe what a typical on-site evaluation is here in Southern California, 425. And it's six, five, six, seven hours. And I explain what I do. And then below that is a real estate evaluation. Below that, you know, these are bullet points, long distance evaluations, where we split it up into several um, different 
uh, hours, you know, like two, three hours here, another hour or two here, another couple of hours there, because I go over what EMFs are, where they come from, how they affect your health, and what we do about them in the first talk on the phone, Skype, uh, FaceTime. And then um, I tell people that they have to get meters and instruments. Um, and I tell them which one, you know, so they, depending on their budget, so they can then order them. And then I instruct them how to take these readings uh, and, and to go through their home and then give me the data. And then based on that, uh, I can guide them in how to uh, help themselves as if I was there or maybe need to bring in an electrician. I've been doing that for years for people who don't have a building biologist near them. However, the other resource is the vast number of graduates uh, and practitioners who are out there who are very experienced and, and I'm part of the faculty. So I've trained uh, and anybody who's gone through in the last six or eight years, uh, I've been part of the faculty that has trained them along with our dear uh, Larry Gust and Rob Metzinger. Yes, and wonderful Mitch, men. Mitch Marshall. Pioneers, pioneers. And, and Spark Burmaster. Uh, has oh, been part Spark. Of yes. yes. <laughs> so so it's, it's a family of, of teachers. And so, so all you have to do is go to buildingbiologyinstitute.org. And at the top, you click on find an expert. And then that drops you down. And then you click on uh, uh, environmental consultants. And then we've split up the the, the, the table that we had into those who have the EMRS certification, which is electromagnetic radiation specialist, which is a separate list now from building biology and environmental consultant. But there are people who, everybody learns EMFs in both groups. It's just the EMRSs go deeper and more advanced. Uh, and, and many people like myself and many others are duly certified. So look on both lists. And then there, when you get on those lists, all the photographs and the names are uh, alphabetized by state and province. And then you can click and, and see a description and then go to their website. So we have a whole army of building biologists throughout the US and Canada. And you know, and since we're all in quarantine and at home, I think this is a wonderful time to visit your website again. And let me repeat it as we sign off, createhealthyhomes.com and also to check out the 57, wow, page online course on 5G that you wrote entitled 5G, Understanding the Technology and Protection Strategies, which is available on the Building Biology Institute website. So I want to just... Under courses, you, you, you click on courses and then you get a drop down menu, click on the electromagnetic radiation topic, which is the second one. And on that page, you have 10 different uh, articles and the, the, the 5G one that I helped write, that I was the primary writer for, is the third one down. And, and you have a choice of one for free. Yes, that's what I wanted to re re yeah. reinstate. So say that once again. You've got well, until, well, until, what, until what date, Orm, so we get this podcast up uh, quickly? Till April 15th, um, uh, they might extend it, I don't know, but right, right now, as it stands now, up until April 15th, um, they, they are offering, uh, anybody who signs up, the first course is free. So um, if you choose that one, then that'll be uh, the free one you get. Um, yes, and so that, that's a, a very uh, extensive um, uh, document. And then I have a lot of information on the 5G uh, article on my own website, createhealthyhomes.com, going into great detail about the different frequency bands, uh, what each company is doing, a lot of links there. So a lot more information that we didn't have time to go into this morning, but I appreciate the invitation and the uh, offer to uh, talk about this for your listeners. 
So what I would request is that you ask the building biologists, very kind people, to extend their okay. deadline to April 30th. That would be wonderful. And, and you're, you're on the advisory board. You could do the same. I'm going to use my cloud to do that because exactly. I think everybody, this is such a good time for people to take stock of what's inside their homes. You know, Orrin, several years ago, I wrote a book called Zapped. And I yes. did so because I am a canary. I mean, here right. I am, a nutritionist, very into really uncharted territory. But I can tell you, that the unseen forces that you can't smell, you can't see, but you certainly can feel have a detrimental effect on the immunity. And now, especially in the age of the coronavirus, we have to do everything we can to make ourselves fortresses of immunity. So let me thank you once again for being my guest. I want to say thank You're you. Welcome. Thank you to Oren Miller. Visit him again. Please give us the name of your website one more time. Uh, www.createhealthyhomes.com Love it. And I want to thank you on behalf of First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoy this. Come and visit with us again. See you soon. Bye-bye for now.